Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the women of golf uh, i'm ted odorico and right alongside here is legends tour player and lpj professional cindy miller and we are the hosts of the women of golf show good morning cindy good morning ted how are you doing today uh, i'm doing fantastic uh, weather is beautiful down here in florida and i'm looking forward to a great day uh, being outdoors today so uh, after we finish the show of course i'm going to be heading to the to the lesson tee here and, and working with some of my corporate friends uh who need a little help with their game, and I know you've got some things that you're doing as well. Um, but let me just very quickly, Cindy, let me just remind everybody, we are live uh, every Tuesday morning, unless otherwise stated, from 9 to 10 Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we're coming to you, as I said, live here on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, easiest way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com, up in the search key, type Women of Golf, and uh, that will bring you to the main page, and you can visit us during the live broadcast. Or if you want, you can tune in afterwards when it's convenient for you if, if during the live uh, show it. You're not able to join us. You can go to that link, blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, and just scroll down the page till you see the on demand section. And you can listen to any of the previously aired shows uh, when it's convenient for you. But thank you for joining us this morning live. Uh, it's also available at iTunes.com for those of you that like iTunes. Uh, just go to the podcast section and again type in women of golf, and that will also take you to the page there in iTunes. Uh, always would love to hear from you. Uh, you're welcome to call in at area code 347-945-5855. Really want to encourage you guys to call in and, and uh, offer some uh, some comments or suggestions of things that you'd like to hear on the show. Uh, Cindy and I always try to mix things up and, and give you a, a plethora of, of different things on the show. And right now, this week, of course, we're going to be picking up where we left off last week, uh, a part two of uh, Cindy's Own Your Game series from her Own Your Game Academy. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. And then a little bit later on, uh, in the broadcast, we're going to be joined by Symmetra Tour player Jessica Wallace. So thank you for tuning in uh, this morning. And also, um, just one last thing before, uh, Cindy, before we uh, get going here. Uh, if you want to reach out to us and you're interested in coming on the show, best way to do that is to contact Cindy at her email, and that's cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and she'll be more than happy to work you in the mix. So if you're in the golf industry, whether you're a teaching uh, or club professional, or maybe you're somebody in the golf business, uh, with a great product or, or a philosophy that you'd like to share with the audience, uh, especially with the ladies tuning in, we, we would love to have you on the show. So reach out to Cindy at cindy at cindymillergolf.com. Um, cindy, lots of great things. Now, let me just first off mention, because you were, we were talking about it very quickly off the air. Now, you're not going to be here next week. You've got something going. What, what's cooking next week? Well, I'm the president of the LTGA Northeast section for the teaching and play, uh, club professional division. And I have been put on a strategic planning committee to help grow the TNCP. So I have to fly to Daytona to meet with the committee, which includes a board member of the LPGA Tour, the president of the TNCP, some other presidents from the section, and the commissioner of the LPGA next 
Monday morning, and I'm going to be flying back on Tuesday. So um, I'm kind of excited about that. It's going to be fun, and hopefully we can make a big difference in the world of women's teaching professionals. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And and uh, this is going to be really, um, as I know, recently here this year, you were you were um, uh, elected to be the president uh, of that chapter. And uh, this is really going to be the first step in, I'm sure, a lot of great efforts on your part and the many uh, professionals around the United States and, and abroad uh, working to grow this game uh, through the LPGA. So uh, kudos to you, Cindy. And as I've said many, many times, you're probably one of the hardest working women in the LPGA profession today. So uh, congratulations on your uh, your um, win, if you will, at being the, the president and a nomination and I know you'll do great things with it. All right, let's talk about your Own Your Game series. Uh, this is part two. Now, we started it a little bit last week, and we got a little bit behind the eight ball because we had a guest coming on the second half, and we didn't get a chance to finish everything. So this is part two, the pregame. So, Cindy, let's, let's get started. Maybe a quick refresher of where we sort of left off, if you, if you can recall, and, and then let's pick up from here. Thanks. That's perfect. Um, so the number one question is, why are you here? What do you, why, why are you listening um, yep. Do you like to listen to who's in the golf business? Um, are you bored on Tuesday mornings, or are you looking to improve your game? Are you trying to see what's new in the golf industry? So the biggest question we ask is why. Um, so let's pretend you want to get better at golf and you're listening to this show because you'd like to improve your game. So the next question would be, well, what do you want? Do you want to hit it better? Do you want to feel uh, that your game is more consistent? Do you want to feel comfortable? Uh, do you right. want a clear thought, swing thought, cue? Are you sick and tired of being miserable? Um, <laughs> then, you know, why, what do you want out of this game? Uh, and then the next question would be, well, why do you miss shots? Mm. And it's funny because yesterday we had an LPGA workshop at Jane Frost uh, Golf Academy in uh, Sandwich Mass, and we brought in Terry Hashimoto from Body Track and Kathy right. Murphy, Kathy Murphy from Opti International, which is Debbie Cruz company on Opti Brain, which we need to get Debbie Cruz on the show. Yeah. But um, so of course because I brought Terry in, Terry used my swing as a guinea pig, if you will, with mm-hmm. their new um, their new mat that is now wireless that works with V1. So we Hmm. measure center of pressure on your feet. So let's say I want to hit it better and I want to hit it further. Well, why do I not? Do I really try to improve my game? Most, you know, I've never met anyone who tried to miss it on purpose. And I'm one of those. I'm not trying to miss it on purpose. I want to hit it better. So when he videotaped me and did a trace. The trace is what it's called when you do the swing and you show your feet. Again, way too much of my pressure is moving to my right foot on my backswing and then to my left toe on my downswing. Well, really, not enough is moving to my left toe on my downswing. So, again, do I, am I aware of what I'm doing with my feet? No. So, after two or three swings of the same thing, it's like, wow, I didn't even know this. So now I've got something to work on. So he gave me a couple of drills 
you know, swinging with my toes curled up, which sounds stupid, but if your toes are curled up, the weight's not on your toes. Right, (laughs) right. more balanced on your foot. So that's just one example of millions of examples of somebody, you know, I kind of think I know what I'm doing. I've played forever, and I've tried to be good, and I've played on the LPGA Tour, So, and I didn't know that I was doing that wrong. So that's kind of what this is. If we choose to open up this can of worms, you got to be vulnerable and open to what you might learn. Well, and the, and the key, the key really, Cindy, uh, just to interrupt for a second here, is most people don't understand what they're doing wrong, and that's why it's important. Number one, to, to work with the with the, you know your local golf professional, uh, whether it be LPGA or PGA or otherwise. Um, you, you need to to you know, be engaged with somebody that can, can help be that, that external set of eyes other than your own. Because a lot of times we don't, uh, you know, always see what we're doing wrong. So it's great to have that feedback. But also the information that that individual is able to articulate to you and show you, whether it be through Body Track or through uh, some of the other uh, great uh, products out there that help uh, with the golf swing, it enables you to understand what you're doing wrong and also what you're doing right. Correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and again, if you're not sure, it, here, so here's what you need to do, and so it's not totally confusing. The purpose of the Own Your Game Academy is to say, okay, let's have a little chat, and why are you playing? You know, let's pretend you're 50 and you're just learning because you want to play with your husband or your wife when you retire. Right. Well, that's a different goal than if you're 20 and you want to win the club championship or the state amateur. You know, so what we would give you, we, you know, we're going to diagnose and then give you a prescription of your path to how to achieve your goals in golf, right. if you will. So we need to know all that. A- again, if you're just coming in for a lesson and you want to play in the corporate outing um, next week, and you need to not look like an idiot, that's a different path, again, right. than if you're wanting to play more consistently. So we need to know the why. And, and and once we get over that, you know, like I have a certain guy that emailed me last week and said, hey, can you give me two or three one-hour lessons a week for the next month? <laughs> so what's my first <laughs> question? Why? Right. Are you working towards something? And he said, well, I happen to be dating a girl who's really good at golf, what we do for love, right? And then right. he says, do you have any clubs? So he he's saying, oh, my God, I need help. And I'm saying, okay, take a chill pill. Don't go right. buy clubs yet. Let's just do an hour, you know, and then you're going to practice. You know, so he's panicking, and then we have to give him the prescription once we know what his plan is. Right. And, and that's extremely important. That, and that's a point that, you know, you, you can never emphasize too much, uh, you know, as a teaching professional is you have to understand what the, the student wants, what the why's, you know, why are they there? Why do they want to play? What what are their goals, uh, long and short term goals? And until you understand that, you know, you really can't set up a proper lesson plan because, as you said, if they just want to, you know, not look bad for the, the next week's corporate event, and that's the only reason for coming there, well, you're not going to give them uh, a prescription, if you will, to revamp their entire game. You might work on key pieces that are going to help them to 
uh, accommodate what they what they want because that's really a short term goal. Whereas a long term goal, you're going to have different steps to to reach uh, what it is that they want to accomplish. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, what do you do with your corporate people? Well, one of the things that I do uh, with my corporate people, obviously, they play fairly regularly. Uh, they're not just playing in their in their company tournaments. And I do essentially the same thing. First off, I want to find out um, what it is that they're, they're looking to accomplish. Now, most of the people that I've worked with, many of them I've worked with for, for a number of years, um, they a lot of times will come back just for a tune-up in that because they get a little lazy. They get busy with, with work and that, and they, you know, through the winter months, they don't get to play as much as they'd like. So they're really looking for, a, for sort of a spring tune-up. But then there's the odd you know, a corporate person that will come to me and say, okay, Ted, I want to – you know, I really want to change my game. I'm not happy with it. I've been playing for a number of years and um, I, I want to come and I want to make changes and here's what I want to accomplish. So if they want to, uh, let's say, you know, at that stage of their life, they're not looking to play, uh, you know, on the PGA Tour or the, even the Champions Tour. They're just wanting to go out and have enjoyment in the game and they're struggling in different areas. So what I'll do is I'll take a look at each of the areas of their game and I'll say to them, I'll, I'll put it into four factors. Number one is positioning. You want to make sure that whenever you're playing a round of golf that you want to get yourself in the proper position right from the get-go, so right from the very first tee. Then you want to look at how you're going to approach your target, so you have to get, formulate a game plan for that. So it's also it's not just about you know, revamping the golf swing all the time. Sometimes it's, it's about affecting a good strategy and then helping them to handle from a mental standpoint when they get themselves into trouble, not to panic and, and how to sort of assess the situation and recover, which is sort of step three of, of the four factors. And then, of course, the last one is how to score better. And that's essentially what I try to do with my corporate people is I try to give them a game plan and I don't try to necessarily change everything unless it's, their goal is so uh, down the road that there's ample time to be able to do that because the worst thing that you can ever do is have a student come to you and say, I've got this problem and then try to revamp their entire swing when really all they want to do is just help with a certain area. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. So you do more playing for end results than revamping of a swing. Yeah. I mean, there are some people, um, you know, over the years that I've had to revamp their, their swing. I don't, I don't revamp it because here's the thing. Here's the, the big misnomer. You know from, from playing on tour, Cindy, everybody has a different swing. Uh, in the camera's eye to the untrained eye, they might look similar. But when you really know what to look for, everybody has a different swing. So when somebody says to me, for instance, they're maybe a taller player like me. I'm six foot four, so I'm pretty tall. Um, you know, I might emulate in, in, in retrospect, I might emulate a player, say, like a Nick Faldo. Uh, or somebody taller like that. Um, but if somebody comes to me and they're five foot two, I'm not going to try to certainly teach them Nick Fall to swing uh, because he might have a different path and a different uh, angle of attack than, say, a, a person four foot two or five foot two, excuse me. So I, I try to find something that's in common with the player uh, that's out on tour that's sort of in the same body size and image of them. That doesn't mean that they're going to copy the, the swing exactly, but I try to find certain characteristics. One of the reasons and one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen with a lot of teacher professionals out there, and this is not meant to be a criticism, is they get into too much technical parts of the swing and trying to change everybody up. And what happens is the students become frustrated. And I think that we have to stick with the basics. I mean, think about this for a second, Cindy, and I know we need to move on. If you look at most of the players, 
that played when you and I were, were sort of growing up, they didn't have all of the technology that we have today. They didn't have um, you know, swing gurus and, and all of this sort of thing. They worked with their own natural abilities, and the teachers that helped them tapped into their natural abilities and helped enhance it, but they didn't try to change everything. And I think we've gotten into that cycle right now with the amateurs where we're trying to change everything sometimes too much, and that can be to their detriment. And, and I, I don't know whether you agree with that or not, but... Oh, absolutely. I, I, You're making people crazy. Right, exactly. And, and I know that you don't do that, Cindy, uh, and, and I'm just saying this as a general uh, in the industry, and I know everybody doesn't do that. But I think there's a lot of great, not only technology and a lot of great theories out there, but it's not necessarily going to apply to the masses. And we have to look at everybody as an individual person. For instance, you know, you've expressed many, many times that you're a very aggressive type player. Um, but Bob over here might be a little more passive. So I'm not going to, you know, if I was teaching you and I was teaching Bob, they're going to be entirely different game plans, if you will, because I know that you're a more aggressive type personality. So there's things that I'm going to work with, with you differently than I would with, with Bob. I'm not going to sort of so mix it in. As, there right. you go. That's a perfect segue into the next point is, so who are you? Mm-hmm. And, and that is so important. And, and what I see is I see students comparing themselves to other players. Yep. It might even be the, the ladies at the club, or it might be a high school golfer. It might be the guy you work with. Well, this guy drives me nuts and he beats me all the time. And I'm, Well, he's a different player than you. You cannot compare yourself to someone else. Now, you might aspire to be as good as him, but you can't compare. So given that point, like you just said, I'm going to be driven, competitive. You need to know who you are and your behavior style. So part of the Own Your Game series and academy is, number one, how do I learn? Do I want to see it, feel it, or hear it? Well, what right. does that mean? Well, if you're taking a golf lesson, there's so many left-brain, right-brain things that are going to be going through your head. We're going to bombard you with – well, no, we're, I'm not going to bombard you with information, <laughs> but your other teacher might bombard you with information, and you need to be able to disseminate that and, and wheedle it down to one or two key points. And, and so if you're an auditory learner and you played an instrument or you were in chorus or you are a dancer – Whatever it might be, you might say, oh, my tempo, it's one and two and one and two. And that's, that might be your dumb, blonde, brain-dead key for the day. Right. So all this information, we're going to whittle it down to something very simple that you can use when you go out to play. Because that's what this is all about, is learning how to play better. Um, the second thing in who are you is what's your behavior style. And right. again, you know, we've got a behavior assessment that we give you to find out, are you a high D? It's a disc assessment, and lots of people know that, and they use it in business all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, a high D is a driven, competitive co- control freak, typically an entrepreneur, a go-getter, a let's do everything fast, I want it done yesterday, I need results today. Um, that person would be Suzanne Pedersen and Tiger Woods. Yeah. Um, let's say you're an I, you're influencing, you want to have fun, you're the life of the party, you're everybody's friend. That would be Chichi Rodriguez, Peter Jacobson, Lee Trevino, and uh, Fuzzy Zeller. All you ever did was talk, okay? Yep. (laughs) Um, You don't pay attention to details. You lose things. You picture things. You're very right-brained. Let's say you're an S. That's steady. And that's, 
you know, I need to do everything in order. Don't don't rush me. You know, that's Jason Duffner. Yeah. Uh, that's Freddie Couples. That's Ernie Els. And you can see their demeanor if you pay attention. So hopefully we're teaching the listeners something new to say, oh, wow, I never even thought of that. Let me watch these guys on TV and see if I can figure out who they are. And, and then the C would be very cautious, concerned, detail-oriented. They're going to dress pretty boring. They're going to wear khaki, black, gray, navy. Um, they're going to be, uh, they want details on their yardage books so that Bernard Langer is the perfect yep. high C. Um, who else would you think of as a high C? Uh, Charles Howell the third. Yeah. Um, probably even, I would think maybe Padraig Harrington, uh, might be another yeah. one. Um, yeah. very detail you know, oriented. Right. Uh, definitely, as I mentioned earlier, Nick Faldo, very definitely detail-oriented. I mean, he was fanatical about, uh, you know, his swing and, and the details of his swing. Um, no, th- those are great points, and, and you have to understand that. And people say, well, why do I need to know, uh, you know, all of this? What, what ma- what does it, how does it matter to my game, whether I'm a D or I'm an I or whatever? Um, wh- why is it important? And, and you know, Cindy, you've, you've explained some of that, but why is it important? Why do they need to know this information? Okay, so perfect example. I'm a high D, and my husband is a high S. And we both played on the tour. So I played on the LPGA tour. He played on the PGA tour. So if he's caddying for me in a tournament, and his game plan is to hit every fairway and every green and be totally consistent, he would be the tortoise. I would be the hare. Right. Hitting every fairway and every green to me, doing the same thing over and over, is absolutely boring. I'm like, oh, my God, shut up, let's go. So if I'm standing on a shot and I'm not aware of this, because this has happened, and he happens to be caddying for me, and I'm in a tournament, and I want to go for the pin on a par five. Let's say we're a par five second shot. And there's a little bit of water. Let's say the water, we got to carry the water 180. <clears throat> the green is 200 yards. I'm like, I got it. So he might say, mm, I don't believe that you have a 50-50 chance of getting over this water. Because if mm. you miss it at all to the right, you're going in the water. So he's going to avoid the risk at all costs. Because he right. doesn't believe the numbers dictate going for it. I'm fired up and want to go for it. Now he says, I think you should lay up. He has put the brakes on me, so what's going to happen inside <clears throat> my body? I'm going to lock up. I'm going to go, what? Yeah. I wasn't even thinking that thought. Are you kidding me? So now I'm going to become cautious. Yeah. Now my muscles are tight. Now what's going to happen? I'm going to miss it. So yeah. he just suggested that it's going in the water. Now I better lay up, and I better buy into that plan. Because if I don't, because I've done this, I'm mad at him. I'm thinking about him while I'm standing <laughs> over the ball, wanting to kill him. Okay, because he's telling me to lay up when I want to go for it. And I'm like, oh, my God. So now, again, if you're married to somebody for 34 years, you're going to go, you never want to go for it. You know, so now this, he's trying to help me not make a double. And now I'm having an argument with him in my brain. So who's the idiot? I'm the idiot if I don't know that. Well, and, and this is why, and that's a, an excellent point. This is why it's important 
to not only own your game, but to play your game. Because, uh, you know, that's a great example between between you and Alan, because Alan is a more conservative player. You're a more, as I said, a sort of an aggressive player. And and there are points and times where, where the two can overlap. But for somebody that's traditionally a more uh, aggressive player to suddenly shift gears and suddenly become a, an ultra conservative player goes ag- against their natural person. It's much like, I'll give you another example. You know, you mentioned Freddie couples and I've mentioned this before on the show. Um, Nick uh, price to- two great players, two totally different swings. Uh, Freddie, of course, is a much more laid back, easygoing, smooth swinging uh, professional Nick Price is very quick, very aggressive in his play, but both comparable players. Um, if I, all of a sudden I was to say to Nick, okay, you've got to start swinging like Freddie Couples and vice versa, their games would fall apart completely because that's not the way they're designed to play. And that's why when you get in that situation, Cindy, um, and, and Alan's you know, chomping in your ear to, to lay up or to do this, it goes against your natural uh, instincts and abilities and causes you to obviously, you know, all kidding aside, build a resentment uh, against that philosophy because that's not who you are. <laughs> You're cracking me up. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> you, you, oh, absolutely. You speak the truth. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and it brings on to the next point in, in the series, which is why, what are your tendencies? Uh, obviously firing at the pins and, and laying up. So there's two good examples there. Alan is more of a layup uh, player, and you're more of firing at the pins. And it, they both have their pros and cons. But again, it, it has to be applied to your style or his style of game. And, and to those listening to the show, this is why we're bringing you this series. This is why Cindy has worked a lifetime in putting this series together and bring it to the masses because a lot of people don't understand. They just think it's about going out and working on the mechanics of the swing. That's the least part of the problem. The mechanics believe it or not, is actually the easy part of golf. But we, we spend so much time tinkering to be perfect that we're overlooking some of the more important parts of playing golf. Cindy? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the third part of the Own Your Game Academy or series is the mental golf profile. Do you have trouble focusing? Do you have a pre-shot routine? Do you know what you're doing? Or are you just grabbing a club and letting it rip? So, again, you don't need to know all this if you're just trying to play in one corporate outing and then you're never going to pick up a club. On the other hand, if you choose to pursue this, you need to know. And and to be honest with you, it's really kind of fun. You're really Mm -hmm. trying to put a puzzle together and you're the pieces. So, to me, you know, guess who's holding the club? It's all about you. And for me, it you know, yesterday was very enlightening. I can't wait to get to the dome today to practice with my body track map to figure out my center of pressure and why my feet are moving all over the place. And here's, here's the bottom line. So why am I trying to hit it further? Because I'm a competitive control freak. Why am I trying to hit it further? Because I want to win. Do I have to hit it further? No, not really. So why am I moving all over the place? Because I'm trying to swing it back further. Well, guess what? That all boils down to my high D personality Mm-hmm. And when I'm willing to look in the mirror and say, you know what, you're hurting yourself. You're moving and shifting your pressure in your feet way too much because you try too hard, because you're a competitive control freak, and if you don't stop doing it, you're not going to hit it as straight as you normally do. Well, right. I just looked in the mirror yesterday. So it's like, wow, I didn't know that. Okay, I'm willing to accept 
what I was doing and why I was trying to do it. Get over it, forgive yourself, and let's go work on it. Right. And, you know, the interesting thing, Cindy, about each of those areas, those four areas, is that there is a range. Now, you, as you said, you're a, you're a high D, um, but there's a medium D and there's a lower end D as well, and, and conversely with, with the other three uh, areas. And you have to find what area um, works best for you. Um, well, and, yes, and, and i got to interrupt right. real quick because there's also a mixture. So right. what was Jack Nicholas? Jack Nicholas was a mixture of high D and high C. So mm-hmm. I'm a competitive control freak and I'm a perfectionist, and I want to do this right. And I'm on a mission. You can see it in his eyes. Yep. So there is always yep. a mixture, and you need to be aware of what you are. And that's why it's important to do this program, you know, to figure out who am I, why am I playing, and what can I do about it. Right. And and it is important. And for those of you that are interested in, in uh, purchasing the online uh, version, if you will, of Own Your Game, the program is available on, on Cindy's website, uh, CindyMillerGolf.com. But it's also available on uh, this program here. If you go uh, to the page today and on today's show, you will see up in the notes uh, there is a link. If you click on that link, it will take you to that uh, page on on Cindy's um, website where you can actually purchase a a copy of the Own Your Game program. And I highly recommend you do it. And I've also got it on my Facebook page, um, uh, which is Ted Odorico, and also on most of the groups uh, that are participating in that we've we've uh, posting this show on, so you can find it in the last couple of shows, and we'll keep putting it up there for you to have. But uh, it's a great program. And Cindy, you want to give maybe a little more detail on that? How they uh, yeah. what they're looking at? Well, they're looking at the three assessments of um, the learning style quiz, and they're looking at the disc profile, which you're going to get a 12-page report on yourself, and then you're looking at the golf psych mental golf profile, which is like a 30 to 40 page report on you and the eight traits of champion golfers, which was created by Deborah Graham and John Stabler. And they got all their information and their research was done on the PGA and the LPGA tour. So you will get a personal report and you get four one hour live webinars that will be also recorded. If you can't make the live webinars and you can listen to them as many times as you want and all of that for the price of $249. So if you're willing to invest in yourself, it's very affordable. Yeah, and, and if you want to become a better player, you really have it, – it is an investment. You know, you, there's no such thing – and I'm going to tell you this as a, as a, a golf professional, and I know, Cindy, you would um, uh, echo this as well. There is no quick fix in golf, Um you know, the, the term, I don't know, has been floating around for decades. You know, I'm looking for a quick fix, and it's a buzzword. I don't know whether it's from the media or how it came about, but there is no quick fix. Uh, golf is a journey much like life is, and you have to be willing to uh, invest some time. And again, depending on, as Cindy talked about in the early part of uh, the Own Your Game series this morning, um, you know, you have to understand and ask yourself why. And, and, and here's what I'm going to suggest, Cindy, that we do. Uh, I would like for, for, for you particularly, because, I mean, you obviously have the, the information uh, at hand. Uh, I think it would be interesting to get some of the people that have taken the program, get them on the show, and let's talk about some of the things, some of their experiences, and what they learned about themselves. Um, Absolutely. Maybe, maybe from that the beginning be of the 
you know, earlier, earlier program, uh, maybe somebody that's just started out with the program, somebody that's maybe a little further along, and maybe somebody that's completed the program. Uh, I think we should work that over here in the next, uh, you know, upcoming months and get them on the show here and really talk about it from, uh, no offense, but the horse's mouth, um, what they experienced, and, and more importantly, what they learned about themselves, because I think that tells a, a much different tale than what most people would, would understand. But uh, a great series, uh, Cindy, and, and uh, I know it's going to be continued success, and I'm going to be doing my best to push it as well, because I think it's it's a worthwhile uh, investment, as you said. Um, Cindy, we've got we've to wrap up uh, Own Your Game, because I see that Jessica is waiting in the wings for us. So let me just do a, a quick introduction. Uh, Jessica Wallace, of course, is a Symmetra Tour player who's uh, on her way to uh, becoming an, an LPGA uh, tour player, uh, and I know she's working hard to do that. In fact, she just finished second at the uh, IAO Championship here just a few weeks ago, uh, originally from uh, British Columbia, and uh, she attended uh, Pepperdine University for a while before she transferred to the University of Colorado, where she won the 2010 CU Heather Farr uh, tournament while playing uh, for the Buffaloes, and uh, she was named the 2011 Big 12 Newcomer of the Year and selected to the 2011 All Big 12 uh, first team, and she's a four-time NGCA All-American Scholar from 2009-2011. So let's welcome back Cindy uh, Jessica Wallace. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing good. Congrats We're on doing... your second place finish. <laughs> Thank you, um, Jessica. Welcome back, and and I want to I want to start things off, and then Cindy, um, I'll let you jump in as well. I want to ask you about that. Um, some great scores, uh, 69, 67, and 70 for a total of 206, 10 under. Uh, uh, a, pretty, uh, a pretty good score, if I do say so myself. Um, but I want to ask you the first question is, uh, what did you take away from that tournament, and what did you learn, if anything? Um, you know, I think uh, it was an interesting off-season for me because I've spent it back up in Canada for the first time in a few years. Uh so I've been working on my game, uh, but, you know, dealing with the Canadian weather at the same time. Yeah. So for me, it was just a reinforcement that, hey, you don't have to be in perfect weather to be able to get the work done on your game and be prepared to start the season. You know, I, I went in with uh, with expectations to play well because I, I played well all last year, but at the same time, I went a couple days early just to hit off grass for an extra couple days and... You know, I was just getting some feeling back, so to be able to come out the gate strong was a was a good indicator for me that I'm ready to go. Wow! Yeah, second place for coming coming out of a um, a, a cool winter. That's that's pretty impressive to start the season out for sure. Um, what specifically, though, do you think did you, did you learn anything? Do you, do you think coming out of that uh, that tournament that's going to help propel you for for uh, uh, into a great season? For me, I think it's just the confidence that you take away from being right up there all week. Uh, I thought I played a very solid game, so for me it's just the mentality that, hey, I was there all week and I didn't stumble, I stayed strong, I kept to my game plan. So I think it's just uh, being able to take that going forward and know, hey, I've been there, I can do this. It's It's not out of this world to expect to win every week, so that's the game plan. Yeah, very, and what very was well. Your, what, on ahead. the course, what was your game plan? You said I stuck to my game plan all week, and I it basically you're now seeing the belief that yeah, I am good enough to be here, and yeah, I am can I could win every week, 
And I have a plan that I propose to myself and see that that plan works for you. So what was the game plan on the course? For me, it was uh, I was just trying to take advantage of the holes that I felt were birdie opportunities and being able to at least give myself looks. So for the whole week, you know, the par fives out there were very scorable. So I was really trying to take advantage of those. Or some of the par fours, you're mainly just trying to think of, you know, I just got to grind out a par on this hole. So for me, it wasn't, it was playing within my game and realizing where my opportunities were versus where I just needed a a par was a great score. Perfect. Let me ask you a quick quick question because something you just said that kind of piqued my interest that I think would be interesting to some of the amateurs out there. Uh, You said a lot of the par fives were scorable. How do you know when you're looking at a hole from a professional standpoint, how do you know if a hole is scorable or if it's not? What What's your measure, if you will? I think a lot of it has to do with the individual, um, how the individual player takes it, because some holes just suit my eye versus others. I play a draw into a lot of holes, so for me, if they want to tuck a pin in the back left, I'm okay with them doing that. That's all right with me. <laughs> But specifically the par fives um, uh, the other week, they were they were all actually reachable. I think three out of the four of them for me were reachable, and I'm an average length hitter in the field. So when I can go for a green and two, I really got to make sure I'm I'm making a birdie there or giving myself a good look because if I can reach it in two, you know at least have to be able to reach it in two. <laughs> right, right. But do you do you also look at the 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 hole itself and and not just the pin placement, but also what's around the green uh, to sort of and and obviously this is this happens very quickly. It's not like you're taking an hour to assess this. This is sort of you know you're taking a look at the hole and then you're sort of assessing it. Um, do you look at the trouble that surrounds it and say, okay, this is something I know I can go for. It's a it's a very reachable pin. Um, there's not a lot of trouble in the way. Or do you sometimes have to use a little caution and say, okay, yeah, it's reachable, but there's a lot of trouble on the front right uh, that's guarding the pin or, or whatever the case may be, and you have to sometimes come at it from a different strategy. Oh, most definitely. Uh, there's a lot of times, especially at that um, at uh, Morongo, at that, the course out there, uh, there's a lot of uh, un- undulation to the green. There's a lot of slopes and tiers and you really have to be careful um, with some pin placements ju- sometimes just because if you miss it in the wrong spot, you're almost guaranteeing yourself a bogey. So, you know, that's part of the thing where you're assessing, hey, this hole, maybe a par is a great score because you're going to have to play it maybe 20 feet left of this pin just to be on the safe side and take that 25-footer and see what you can do with that instead. So it's it's a risk-reward assessment throughout the whole round. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, and, and let me just ask something else, then, and Cindy, uh, and then we'll jump back to you and let you uh, jump in as well. Um, some players look at their stats, you know, greens and regulation, fairways, putts, that sort of thing. Do you consider your uh, stats to be important to you? Do you really pay attention to them? And do you even, some players obsess over their stats and other players, you know, it's informational and they'll, they'll take it with a grain of salt, but it's not what they really focus on. Do you t- pay attention to your stats? And I'm talking about the different stats of your play. Yeah, I think, uh, for the most part, most of the players, we, we definitely take note of our stats. Uh, for me, I'm I'm keeping my stats throughout my round anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. So 
I'm I'm aware as soon as I'm done my round of vaguely how I, I don't know the exact numbers, but sure. I have a feeling, you know, hey, I missed a few fairways today. But sometimes, you know, sometimes they're not a perfect indicator because maybe you missed a fairway by a couple feet or maybe you had to hit the left side of that fairway. So missing it in the left first cut of rough wasn't a big deal. So I uh, I definitely think stats are important, but at the same time, they don't always tell this whole story because you can have 32 putts hitting 18 greens and shoot under par, and but maybe right. you were hitting it 30 feet all day. So you just didn't have a lot of looks for a one putt if you weren't hitting it close enough. So right. I think uh, stats are very important to keep and they're very important to take note of, but you also have to be able to put them together with the round itself. Well said. Um, Cindy? How many putts do you typically have per round? What are you good with yourself? You know, what? Are, okay, I'm all right if I... So what, do you, what are your <laughs> expectations? For me, generally, if I'm having under 30 putts, I'm probably going to be shooting under par that day just because um, as a player, my strength is my ball striking. So I tend to hit a lot of greens. So my putts are generally a little higher because I hit so many. So my goal is always under 30. That's just, okay. I, if, I, if I have a regular ball striking day, I want to have under 30 putts because that typically means I'm shooting under par. And how many three putts per round did you have this past week? Um, gosh, this past week, probably three. I think I had two in the second round, and then one in my final round. Wow! And how far were you? How far were you from the uh, hole? Uh, gosh, a couple of them. Uh, uh, they were decent lengths, uh, maybe, but only forty feet or so. They were three putts that I didn't like at all. So. <laughs> okay, and <laughs> and. So, again, the reason for the three-putt would be a bad first putt that didn't get you close enough to lag it? Um, I know uh, a couple of them I hit in spots where, you know, you were on the wrong tier, so I kind of just misread the speeds going up and down tiers. Uh, you know, at the same time, I also missed a couple short putts. You know, maybe I hit it three feet by the hole and just didn't make the comebacker. So, right, and, right, right, which you have to have room for that. You know, again, right. how many how many greens did you hit? Can you remember each day of the three rounds? Um, not off the top of my head. I could play through the rounds really quickly in my head. I think I hit maybe fifteen, sixteen on average. Um, hmm. Yeah. So again, I'm just trying to show our our listeners that your ball striking is rock solid. And if you give yourself, you personally, the opportunity, if you hit it just a little closer to the pin and you make just a couple more putts, you're going to go from shooting 73 to 68 or 9. Is that true? Yeah, that's exactly the case. You know, when you uh, when you hit a lot of greens, the next step is obviously to try and get it closer to the hole. So it's always the progression of things. So... Again, if there was something, to, you know, what would be the, oh, my God, i got to work on this, there really isn't a whole lot. It's just you just need to stay steady and keep to your game plan. Try to knock it a little bit closer. Sometimes you're going to make a couple of 30-footers. You're going to miss a couple three-footers. And sometimes, hopefully, you're going to make some 15-footers. And all rounds are going to be under par, which would be perfect. 
that sounds like the ideal kind of round right there. <laughs> <laughs> now, if we could, if we could just uh, find a way to to copy that and just you know email it out to everybody, I think that would be fantastic. Jessica, let me ask you a question um, relating to your playing, um, and and you know you can take it right from the first tee uh, or any hole; it doesn't matter. But just to give an idea for the listeners how you approach a hole. What are the, when you step up to the first tee? What's going through your mind? How are you preparing for that hole? Do you prepare before you get out that morning, uh, or do you wait till you get up to the first tee because you know the course pretty well, anyways? And do you say, okay, this is what I I need to make sure that this tee shot gets in the position I want uh, to set me up for for my approach. What goes through your head um, that has gotten you to the level where you are, and what are some of the mistakes that most amateurs are making? Do you think, in your opinion? Uh, for me, when I'm stepping up to a hole, uh, I've I've been fortunate enough most of the time to have played the course, had a few practice rounds out there. Uh, so I'm very good at knowing what I need to do on a hole. So when I step up onto a tee, I know exactly what I do want to do, but I'm not obsessed over it at the same time. I think right. I'm a player that I do better personally when I have the – I, I can see what I want to do in my head. It's a very strong visual that I have, but I'm not stressed over hitting the shot. It's more just, okay, this is this is what I want to do, and let's just step up and hit the ball. I think um, I think with a lot of amateurs, they they have the problem probably of not being not being focused on a very specific target. Sometimes you know you, mm. you see a fairway and it's so big. And you you just tell yourself to hit the fairway, but you got to know: Are you going to hit the right side of that fairway? Do you need to hit left center? You know, to curve left, do you need to be approaching it from the right? So you're already thinking of where you need to be in the fairway in order to have the most accessible shot to the green. So you're almost thinking one or two shots ahead um, versus the only shot that you're playing. Right. So there, there's a, there's sort of a mental game plan, if you will. Um, for each hole that you're playing. You're not just playing 18 holes. Um, you're playing hole by hole, and there's, it's sort of like a mini tournament within a tournament. So in other words, you come up and you assess each hole based on either previous knowledge of playing that course uh, or information you've gathered through a practice round or practice rounds, what have you, uh, or gathering information between you and your caddy. And you're saying, okay, on hole number one, this is what I need to do. This is where I need to make sure I get myself um, to give myself the best opportunity for, for a decent approach, uh, and then so on. And you play that throughout the 18 holes. Is that correct? Whereas an amateur sort of looks at um, this big mural, if you will, a picture in their head, and it's grip it and rip it, and wherever I happen to be is where I happen to be. They don't really focus more intently on what they need to do shot by shot. Would that be a pretty accurate assessment? Yeah, I think it's... Uh... It's just something where they have a broader image in their head, so it's just tough to focus in on. And for me, actually, I like to play tournaments as three-hole tournaments in a way. So mm -hmm. I, I think it comes from my college days where you had to report your scores every three holes. But to mm -hmm. me, I just I go I go every three holes and I try and see, you know, hey, what what can I score on these three? So every three, I'm seeing, you know, can I play at each three under par? Can I can I shoot even here if they're a tough three or? So, yeah, it really is just a mini tournament within a tournament. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, what tips would you give maybe amateurs out there? Let's flip back to the lesson tee now. Let's go uh, to the practice range um, when you're preparing for a tournament. 
what tips based on what you do could you give the amateurs out there uh, in order to prepare for maybe their corporate event while they're out there practicing? What should they be looking at? What should they be focusing on to give them the best opportunity to have a successful round? Uh, for for amateurs, I think the really important thing, uh, and it's something that I practice myself, is when you're on the practice range or getting ready for something, you're work, you have something specific that you might be working on, and I think it's important that you stick with it and you really focus in on what it is that you feel you need to do or if you've gotten a lesson and you're working on it. I think the practice area is a great place to work on it. I think once you get on a golf course, especially in a tournament or something, you know, something where you're trying to really perform your best, at at some point you just need to go out and play and not obsess over it and just hope that the practice you've put in translates itself over with it without you having to constantly be thinking about it. So I think, uh, you know, they got to get in all the short game work, of course, as well, but if they're working on something in their swing – work on it as hard as they can in practice and then hope that in a tournament or in a corporate tournament or whichever they're playing, it translates itself over rather than being obsessed about it. Yeah. uh, Well said. I agree. Um, Cindy. You know, what are, do you work on stuff on your swing? What did you do over the winter? Cause I, you know, we live near each other. I'm in Buffalo. And so what was your game plan on the winter? Where did you hit balls? What did you do? Uh, well, for me, I just uh, I have a course in my hometown um, called the Redwoods where- that they let me go. I- I'm, I'm okay. from Vancouver, so I just have rainy oh, winters. Oh, so you're nowhere, yeah, no, you're nowhere near me. Okay. <laughs> your, your winters are a little bit worse than mine. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh so for me, I can still hit balls. I'm just hitting balls off mats, but I'm still outside. I can still see the flight of my ball. Um, but uh, I'm, I was working more on getting the proper rotation on my backswing and loading up properly. Uh, I felt like I wasn't getting the full potential out of my distance just because I wasn't loading efficiently. So that's something I was working on this winter. Um well, at the same time, you know, I went down a little early just to get the feel of the greens again, chipping out of the rough down there. Uh, but for me, at the same time, I worked on it, oh, you know, for a few months this winter. Uh, so I felt that once I was on the course, I just needed to mentally check out of the uh, of the swing checking, you know, type of mentality and just think, hey, here's the shot. I want to hit it here. How do I do that? Go. <laughs> So more visualization. Uh, visual, visualization with feel a bit. Uh, I'm I'm a very feel type of player. If I feel like I may need to club up, but I can't 100% justify it to someone else, I'm I'm gonna do it just because I trust my gut instincts a lot on a golf course. Uh, but it's uh, it's definitely uh, always fun to get back into tournament mode. How have you learned? to trust your instincts on the golf course? <laughs> uh, you know, I think that's just years and years of, of playing and the experience of being in situations on a golf course. You you learn, you, the only way you can learn to trust yourself is to have gone through it before. And I think uh, a lot of people second-guess themselves. And I'm, 
I'm a player that usually I don't have a caddy for an event, so I, I'm usually on my own. So for me, I am my own caddy for the most part. Mm. So I think uh, I'm able to trust my own judgment out there and be very confident in what I have to say for myself. Who knows your game better than yourself? That's awesome. Perfect. Um, what are you going to do? What's, what's your, your primary goal for this season? Obviously, you want to, to get a, a W uh, under your belt, but what's your primary goal for the season, um, and, and what's your, your game plan, if you will, to, to get to that goal? What, what are you going to do differently maybe than you did last year um, to achieve the goal you want for this year? Um, you know, I think for, for me, uh, last year last year I played well. It was a step in the right direction for me. Um, I, think, I think last year I only missed one cut. Uh, but for me, it's about the higher finishes this year. You know, my results to all be, you know, to, I want top 20s. I want the result to be poor. If, if it's going to be a poor week for me, I still want to be, you know, 30th. I, I don't want to have the, the results where – you know, you you were off your game and finished 60th because honestly, that's on the Symmetra tour. That's just not going to cut it. <laughs> so right. For me, I think I, I need to keep the consistency that I brought that last year while upping my game so that the consistency is at a higher level. Um, I think one of my biggest goals this year is to shoot more of those rounds that are four, five, six under because I'm a very um, I was comfortable last year shooting even, and I shot even or one under a lot. <laughs> but if if I and my goal is to obviously get a win, so for me, I need to shoot those numbers where you're you're throwing out the five under or you're throwing out a a five six under because the talent's so great out here that you need to shoot those numbers if you're going to compete. So score scoring wise and results wise, that's that's obviously my goal is to shoot those numbers and be able to get the win. Obviously, well, there's, uh, you have your own technical goals as well, you know. Right. Um, and for me, a lot of it is, you know, trying to hit it close to the hole from this far. Or just have I, – I wanted to give myself more looks on par fives. Uh, I wanted – I felt like I could lower my par five scoring average. Uh, so there's a lot of mini goals that go into a season, but it's almost like setting yourself a little bar so you have objectives throughout the year that you go through. Well said. And uh, you're certainly well on your way to achieving that. As I mentioned earlier, uh, just some of the stats from your your uh, championship at Morongo, uh, you were three under, five under, and two under, respectively, um, during that um, during that tournament. So you're, you're certainly better off than what you were last year, uh, right out from the gate this year. So you're well on your way to achieving uh, uh, your goal, I think. So... Uh, um, Jessica, I want to thank you for for joining us. We've got a we've got to wrap up here, but uh, you're certainly welcome to come back anytime. And uh, we we enjoyed listening to you and having you share some of your perspectives, if you will, of how you play and how you approach, uh, and really how you own your game uh, while you're out there on the Smetch Tour. So so good luck uh, this season, and uh, and keep us posted. Let us know how you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And, yeah, uh, you, you're really well on your way. You've got rock solid plans and goals, and I and I believe you're going to achieve them. And again, you know, if your mission is to win on the LPGA Tour, you're doing everything you need to do the right way. So good luck. Thank you. All right, Jessica, uh, go and enjoy your day. Work hard, and as I said, we'll uh, we'll have you back on here uh, 
uh, again soon. So thank you very much and uh, much continued success in 2016. I will talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks. Thank you. What a what a great young lady. Um, just really has it together, and, and I like to hear that. And it really goes to what we were talking about earlier, Cindy, and I know we only have a minute or two left here before we got to go, but um, it really goes to what we are trying to get across in the series that you've brought us, uh, Own Your Game. And, and that is really to, to understand the whys and understand a little bit more about yourself and, and how you handle certain situations. And, and also you have to be able to, based on that information, set your goals throughout the year um, whether it be short-term and long-term goals, to give yourself the best opportunity to success. So we're going to keep bringing you the, uh, the Own Your Game series. Next week, uh, as we mentioned uh, off-air, Cindy, uh, and you're going to be going to um, uh, Florida, I believe you said, and uh, to go to a meeting next Tuesday. So you're not going to be here, but I'll be back here next week with uh, Fiamma Felice, who was a big break uh, contender in Florida, and also uh, her partner, Ashley Dyer, who is the uh, co-founder of FlirtyGolf.com, which is a, a great line of uh, uh, women's apparel. So they're going to be coming on and joining me next week. So we're not going to have the Own Your Game series next week, as Cindy will be off, but we'll be coming back on the 15th uh, with the next part of the series and a great guest as well that, that Cindy's uh, lined up. So, um, Cindy, as always, thank you very much for all that you do. And, and um, I know you've got to go, but uh, thank you for, for bringing this series. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And, and uh, one last thing I want to say about it is um, Cindy's going to, to reach out to some of the people that have already taken it. But uh, for those of you listening today, I strongly urge you to go and, and get uh, your own uh, copy of this online program, Own Your Game series. Uh, go to Cindy Miller's uh, website, cindymillergolf.com, and you can purchase it there for about two forty nine. Lots of great components to it. Um, and once you've done that and you've gone through some of the program, reach out to Cindy and, and let her know. And we want to get you on the program as well to share some of your thoughts uh, and ideas of what you learn and how it's helped you and how it's changed the way you think uh, in, in better preparation of navigating yourself around the golf course. So let's do that. Let's work together on and helping to grow the game. And uh, I, I think we've got uh, a great season ahead of us, Cindy. So thank you, as always, for, for everything that you do. Thank you so much, Tyler. You have a great week, honey. All right, you too. And thank you, and we will see you next Tuesday right here on the Women of Golf Show. Thank you, everybody, and have a great week.